Um, How are we going to get there from here? <laughs> phones. Phones. Sounds sort of like Rosa. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Arthie. We're doomed. We're staying on this plot forever. Well, speaking of doomed things, No, Charles- that's from the failed segue. <laughs> Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Arthi. My name is Carl. And we're switching it up a little bit this week. Definitely not due to mistakes. (laughs) Today we're talking about... Tactical Village. Yeah. We've gotten really far into this season, and you guys seem to still be listening. Or maybe there's more of you. I don't know. Arthi's the one who pays attention. (laughs) I do try to track the stats. Either way, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate your patronage. Yes, patronage. Yes. And well, they're not paying us. We've given them no way to pay us. Well, they're paying us with their time. Yeah, but we can't eat that. We appreciate. If we could eat their time, that'd be I weird. guess we're metaphorically eating their time, but we're not getting sustenance from it. So, in Tactical Village. <laughs> Regardless, thank you all so much for listening and reblogging and liking and dropping us asks because we love them. And, yeah, Tactical Village. So, Tactical Village is a big team episode in which the shipping game gets evolved tenfold. It's pretty great. In the A-plot, as Carl mentioned, they go off to the Tactical Village. And Jake and Amy are having to deal with uh, Teddy arriving, a former paramour of Amy's. Paramour. (laughs) So my French is lacking. Sue me. It's paramour. It's, it's an English word now. But there's a U there. Yeah, it's Paramore. But that's a band. Actually, I've almost... Yeah. But they don't have a U there. Well, that's because bands. Paramore came before Paramore, the band. This is super fun for me. I hope you realize that. <laughs> as long as you like. Pompadour is spelled the same way. But I say Pompadour. Yeah, you're wrong. I've heard it both ways. Okay, fine. But... You're wrong. <laughs> you heard some people who are wrong and some people who are right. And I believe that I'm on one side of that fence. So anyway, it Jake sets <laughs> Jake sets out upon finding out that Teddy has broken the course record for going through the technical village situation, he decides to do so as well and does and manages to succeed, which is pretty cool actually. It's a pretty solid thing he does. But he uses the upsy downsies thing that Scully teaches, which is terrible. And in doing so, he sh- he takes the whole situation seriously, more seriously than he has in the past. Um, meanwhile, elsewhere at the tactical village, uh, Boyle has given everyone STDs, which are his save the date cards. Save the date, very common thing to say. STD, very uncommon thing to make at the top of your card. Um, that's a joke. He's given them to everyone except for Rosa, who hasn't told the date of his wedding. Because he's a cowardly punk. She finds this out. She takes out her aggression using a sound cannon. Decides not to talk to him about it until her deathbed. Then almost dies of paintball guns and decides to to confront him about it. He makes up some bullshit thing about Vivian not wanting it. And then... Vivian not wanting her to be there. Yes, 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 yes. Vivian always wants it, as Boyle is overwilling to share. I was glad that you saved me, and then... <laughs> and, you, and then... <laughs> you and right back here we are. Us. 
here threw your cell phone at the bus. <laughs> like I'm out here on on on, on I have some the Moon sidewalk. Ship. We switched around. <laughs> Did that happen in Sailor Moon? Oh Spoilers. no, wait. It's a, <laughs> okay. First of all, the series has been out for like 20 years. Yeah, but I haven't fucking watched it. Who thought of that? Second of all, you're right. I'm actually thinking of the Mermaid Island case from Detective Conan, where Kazuha. Kazuha Switches positions with Heiji to prevent him from falling off the cliff face. I stopped knowing any of those words. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a sea plot. <laughs> the sea plot. And in the sea plot, uh, Gina inadvertently gets Captain Holt hooked on Quasi Cupcakes, which is a, an obvious... It's bejeweled. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say it's, Candy Crush XP. Yeah, it's, ca- it's Candy Crush, which is bejeweled. <laughs> right. And anyway, she gets him ho- hooked on it and then gets him unhooked on it. Because that's how being an administrative assistant is supposed to work. Totally. So before we dive into our meta, I just want to say, when I first saw the press release description for this episode, I remember thinking, wouldn't it be great if they made it that Teddy made Jake super jealous? Because the press release was not at all forthcoming about how that would play out. And I was like, oh, cool. We have, like, one of Amy's exes, sort of. And, like, it was pretty vague. And I was like, there's this person. I, I, wouldn't it be great if they made te- uh, made Jake jealous? And then they did. I did not hope for it. I was like, it won't happen. And then it happened. And I was, like, watching this episode just like, I can't believe this is happening. The thing that I wanted is actually happening. OMG, it's happening. It was pretty great. But, yeah. Uh, let's start with the C-plot, because it's pretty straightforward. We can do it pretty fast. Yeah. Quasi Cupcakes. With a backwards W. It's bit, which is a thing, apparently. It's I not. do not believe that is a thing. It's not. That it has it has horizontal symmetry. Yeah. Vertical symmetry? It's, it's symmetrical around the Y-axis. Yeah, which is a vertical axis, which might be how those terms work. Anyway... So Gina gets Holt addicted to this game. By playing it and completely fucking ignoring him. Yeah. And I think I think she's totally right. It's bright and stupid and it gets it's really easy to use to pass the time. Holt goes a little too far, but I like that Holt has that obsessive personality that we don't see a lot, and I like it coming to the forefront. I like that he's as much of a nerd as everyone else in the fucking precinct. Well, getting addicted to iPhone games doesn't make you a nerd necessarily. True, but like the level you gotta to, earn your stripes. But I feel like the level to which he's like ner- like into it, plus the fact that he watch watches How's It Made contact lenses. That's one Kevin, of the- Kevin watches that. They watch Sherlock together. I mean, I think that of the back to the party of those things, Kevin doesn't actually like detectiving. So I think those there's four shows in Holt's queue. And how it's made contact lenses, which they maybe watch together. Mm-hmm. Although Holt wears contact lenses. Also, that DVR is in their bedroom, so they're watching them together, probably. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So, Quasi Cupcakes, cupcake match. I like Gina's continued resistance to chagrin in, at the beginning of this episode. Oh, yeah. Where he gets right up in her face to actually get her attention. And when he goes away saying, like, I don't remember, you should do your work or something. She's like, say that to my face. And he said, I did. You were looking at your phone. And her response is, oh, cool, my B. <laughs> it keeps going because he's like, if I want to play Quasi Cupcakes, I will play Quasi Cupcakes. I'm the captain of this precinct. I can do what I want. And, and she's, she's just looking at him. Yeah, she's just like expectantly. She's like, really? And he's like, all right, so it's hard to say Quasi angry. Quasi is a difficult word to say in anger. Yes. Correct. I wonder how many takes that they had to do, because that is so hard to say. Like, 
the the deliberate like what's that called when you can't do the R's and W's? I do not know. It's some sort of speech impediment because I knew a couple people as children who had that. It's a very common uh, difficulty for children. Yeah. To be fair, a lot of a lot of languages that aren't English don't have those sounds. Yes. Because Tamil doesn't have a W sound, and the R in Tamil is different. Oh, it doesn't. Right. There's a different level level of roticity. Yeah. For various R's in different languages. Yeah. They love this. Let's let's keep going. So let's... I can't. I did not do that well in linguistics 101. I was joking. Phonology was my worst. I was actually joking. So that's all I want to say about that plot line. It's great. Gina's awesome. Her dizzying array of colored lights was a little too on point. Because, by the way, shout out to Falula Tonks because she quoted that line and was like, my life was all candy crush like that. I felt for it. So I'm going to shout out to Rachna because she, she identified strongly with Jean in this episode. And I feel that. I feel that. That's all I want to say. By the way, Holt throws away his phone. He needed that phone. He, that he could have used it for other essential tasks. It's he, probably a department phone. Yeah. There's, if Jake has a department phone. Oh, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he was trying to... Nah, it's true. No, they all have iPhones, so... That's weird. Usually it's a flip phone, so that it can't be tracked. Well, I mean, product placements. Television. No, this is why in all TV shows everyone has... And all movies, everyone has the same model of the same smartphone. Oh, I know. In Iron Man 1, Tony has this blatant lazed, like LG phone yeah. <laughs> everywhere, every scene. Although, I think after that, Tony always has some kind of special made-up phones. They were like, come on. Yeah. He made his own phone out of, like, a garage. Yeah. He's a goddamn, like, engineer. He can do this. Okay. I think we've talked about the C-plot enough. Let's yeah. slowly work our way to the A-plot through the B-plot. Okay. The B-plot in this episode also happens at Tactical Village, mm-hmm. unlike the C-plot, which, uh... Happens back at the precinct where there is only the captain, his administrator's assistant, and Hitchcock. Because no one wanted him at the Tactical Village. I think he was originally slated to be at the Tactical Village because I think there were promo pictures that included Hitchcock. But then they just cut him out of everything. was like, nah. Yeah, they were just like, nah. Well, they figured out, they, they wrote the C-plot and they were like, oh, we saw this with Hitchcock. Yeah, exactly. After everything that we liked about the way that Rosa and Boyle worked in the apartment, in the apartment, this is kind of like a punch to the gut because it opens the door again. Two steps forward, one step back. Yeah, like there's various reasons why he could not have invited her and why he would lie about his reasons for not inviting her. The one he gives is legit. If it were true. Yeah. But it's not. No. And we were both pretty upset about that. Yeah, like, does she even know? No, I don't does, think does so. Vivian, does Vivian even know how obsessed he was with her? I don't think... Maybe he, she doesn't. I don't think she does, in fact. Because she's like, oh yeah, of course I want you at our wedding. You work You're, with Chuck. You're yeah. totally one of them. I, and, and remember when he meets at her at the party, he's... And, and she's like, why would it be weird? Like, she doesn't know yeah. that he obsessed after her for years. And I mean, I, to be fair, they've only known each other for three weeks so he probably hasn't gone into his exes. Yeah. He says in the apartment that he'd only been, like, goo-goo in love with Rosa for about a year. So? No, no, I'm not excusing that. All yeah. I'm saying is, like... That's 26 times as long as he's been seeing slash engaged to. <laughs> I agree. Actually, it's, like, a month that they've been together now. So it's 12 times. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, I think, I think, I think Vivian doesn't know, and I don't think Vivian ever knows. Nope. No. Because they break up for reasons that aren't Rosa-related, which I did like. Yeah, they should. Like, they should have broken up for those reasons that mm-hmm. they broke up for. Right. 
like Rosa doesn't do anything to perpetuate that, and frankly, Boa breaking up with her for Rosa-related reasons would be a super cowardly move on the writer's part. And also just nonsensical. Doing this plants the seed that maybe the reason that he wouldn't invite her is because he's still into her. Which, and frankly, you don't cut off emotional connections that fast, but also, like... It was pretty obviously fruitless from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. Like... And there's no way she's not going to hear about the wedding. Correct. Everyone else in the goddamn precinct is invited? It's fucking impossible. And his plan to prevent it is to throw a pizza into the trash can and say he hates it after he's been making a pizza on the fucking panini press. I just love that. Oh, I hate pizza! And he goes, like, what? That is exactly like, I don't even like food. And and you know why they did this. Because it sets up the fake out in the finale. Yeah. Yeah, but it still drives me crazy. I actually do like the idea that the reason Charles gives Rosa, he attributes to Vivian, but it's to himself. Which like, is, he would feel weird about it because he feels guilty about how obsessed he was with Exactly, her. and I think that's a really appropriate reading for the situation. And he doesn't want any distractions at his wedding. This is an unstable thing. They're getting engaged after three weeks. That's unstable. He doesn't want any complicating factors. This is a post-friends world. Ross said Rachel when he got married to Emily because he saw Rachel at the wedding right beforehand. This is the type of thing that Charles would want to avoid. But Rosa's response to not being invited is, like, so fully disproportionate. She shoots him with a sound cannon. Turned all the way up. Yeah, I mean, like, this is someone who wanted to punch someone so hard that he would bite his own heart. Like, this is, this is Rosa. She will destroy you, given any provocation. That, like, incredible fake laugh that she gives Terry. Ha, 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 And his, like, super disturbed expression. <laughs> yeah. Like, this... What what this proves is that Rosa, like, has a kind of incomplete script for dealing with people in situations. She doesn't have a lot of conflict scripts that don't... That where punching is not a valid option. You use the word maladjusted in our, like, pre-show talk. I don't want to say that. I, like I don't want to I don't, I don't want to stick to that because it's kind of like it's not that something happened to her to screw her up. Good. It's more like she doesn't have a really complete set of behaviors, you know. Yeah, and I I, I agree. Yeah, I don't want to imply by saying maladjusted that Rose is like damaged in some way because mm-hmm. I don't think it's that. I think it's that there's some situations. That she hasn't had to deal with and therefore doesn't really have behaviors for. To be fair, how does one prepare to not be invited to a wedding? But it's not just that. We learned in this episode that she's planning to solve 77 arguments by dying. That's... Impossible. Well, I mean, (laughs) you can end arguments that way. Although not really, that just puts it all on the person who'll have to live with that for the rest of their lives. Incidentally, Terry working really hard to try and like resolve this in a friendly way. Yeah. Like, man deserves a goddamn medal. Jesus. Always. Yeah. Yeah. The, to... the being a babysitter medal. God. Being he... a babysitter for grown-ups. The amount of time he has just to... Just Jake Frost's face on a medal. <laughs> Thumbs up <laughs> No, it's him doing his... Uh... I see it with him doing the face when Holt seduces the judge. <laughs> oh my god, that like giant, Terry deserves a goddamn medal for having to take care of his f- adult children all the damn time. Yeah. <laughs> Teaching them how to navigate a 
social interactions constantly. Mm-hmm. That is actually exactly what he's doing here. He's teaching Rosa how to navigate a social interaction. He gives her good advice. Friends talk to each other about this type of thing. Which she doesn't take until she almost dies of paintball. So they're, they both win. <laughs> <laughs> so they both win. I will say, for all of the like weaknesses, the thing is, if if they had let it be... After the scene in the bus where he gives her the save the date and he's like, you know, Vivian thought it would be uncomfortable, whatever. They could have run with that and it would have been fine and realistic. Exactly. And I and I appreciated her being like, thank you, Vivian, for inviting me. I know it's really hard and I'm, I'm really excited to attend your wedding. I think that I get why they did that for multiple reasons, but it angers the shit out of me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a clue that their relationship is not all... Hunky-dory? All hunky-dory for other reasons. Yeah. But we don't think that then. No, all we see is the ship that we didn't want to see sailing. It's like, it's been it's been less than an episode since this was okay. Yeah. And all, immediately, come on. Yeah. And that's why, like, when they're teasing, because we're in, we're in, like, season two teasing right now, when they're teasing... How they might get together. And it's the actors, and it drives me up the fucking wall. Because I think... I mean, they're being told to say this. I hope so. I genuinely hope so, because I really refuse to believe that the kind of talent that we see on their writing staff and in the creative team would keep allowing this to happen. I would really not want to believe that, because I'm, I think you and I said this a few episodes ago, but, uh, like, back in the field episodes ago, but, like, if they actually follow through and have Boyle and Rosa, like, get together and be, like, Endgame, you and I are done. We're done. Yeah. We're going to walk away. I'm not watching that show. Yeah. We're gonna, probably going to end up walking away from the show. Either way, it boils a twerp. He doesn't own up to it, and he really should. It looks kind of, like, silly in those tactical glasses, too. What is this? Jurassic Park the ride? God, he looks so, like... Earnestly nerdy. Yeah! Oh, God. Let's talk about the other part of the tactical village. Sure. So, the other part, the main part, the thing we remember this episode for, because delivers... Is that this is the episode where Jake realizes he has a crush on Amy Santiago. Which, fucking finally, <laughs> I realized that in episode one, asshole. <laughs> I was I was certain of it by episode five. five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. 48 hours at the latest. But it, it's, it's. It's everywhere. I mean, it's not a secret. No, only to Jake. <laughs> like, it's not. It's, it was. And, and Amy for a while. Like. The fans always knew. Yeah. The fans weren't always sure they bought it, but, like, come on. It's, um, it's, they're in the first scene together, and, like, he, he brandishes a teddy bear at her. That's one of their first interactions. Come on. That's, like, literally 30 seconds into the show. Yes. Yeah. And she makes, like, dorky, adorable faces at the teddy bear before Uh walking away when it gets gross. Rightfully so. So. Teddy comes onto the scene, and... Pretty much from the minute we meet Teddy, everything about Jake changes. And everything about Amy. Oh, yeah. She has a very obvious attraction to him. Yeah, she hugs, she like brightens immediately when she sees him. She gives him a big hug. She kind of turns on. Yeah. In a kind of, you know, I think genuine, but still kind of artificial. Like she's playing up herself for him. It's the same version of her we've seen on the dates. When we've seen her on dates, it's that same sort of, like... She's in date mode around him. Yeah, exactly. And she's never in date mode around Peralta. Including when they were on a date. You're right. She doesn't respond like that to Jake, even on their date, 
the way she does to Teddy. Yeah. Like, ever. And it's just night and day, and you can tell Jake sees it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's drawn over in this kind of, like, obscenely quickly. Yeah. What is going on here? And then she says, code camp, and he mouths it. He's like, code like, camp. This is happening. Yeah. Uh, her, her, her attention is being taken from me by code camp. But code camp is boring, though. Right? But then later in the episode, he's like, but they're both dorky about police stuff. Yeah. And it's... Like, he can tell why. Right. And he's already found her dorkiness about that endearing. And we've seen that. His range of tactics to try to deal with the fact that she seems to be attracted to another man are insane. <laughs> like, he's, he ups his game immediately. Oh, yeah. In, in stupid ways. Like, the next thing we see him say about himself is how he's going to make a great dad. Like, this must be something Amy Santiago wants. She must want children, right? Right? Is that, though? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's what he's doing. Interesting. Like, it's kind of a joke, but also he's framing himself as a romantic partner there. Oh, yeah. I guess you could see that. Because right after that, he makes a sex tape joke. He hasn't made a sex tape joke since Halloween. True. But every time Amy and Teddy interact, I want to finish their sentences with sex tape. And I'm sure that he does too, but he's never gonna. No, he's not going to, but I bet he hates himself for thinking the same thing. Yeah. Because what is it she says to Teddy almost immediately after? At least make me work for it. Yeah, I mean, some hard nights of memorization. like Some long nights of intense memorization. Yeah. That is like... Like, pretty cult. sure they had sex. I'm 100% sure. So I know part of the fandom is split on this. Or at least you told me they were. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I, I feel like I had to convince you that they had slept together. Because you were like, you were like, eh, but they definitely have by the time they're planning a vacation together to the Berkshires. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She probably, the night she wore lipstick, she probably slept with them. I mean, yeah, it is like their seventh date, so. Yeah. Hope, God willing, she was, yeah. Either I way, mean, she can go at her own speed. <laughs> you do you, Amy. Either way... Like, so much about Teddy and Amy's interactions, I just want to, like, append sex tape joke to. And it's so effortless. Like, it's not, it's clearly not calculated on either of their parts. Yeah, but it's also kind of them driving up the thing they have in common. Like, it doesn't seem like it's a good, Code Camp's not a good foundation for a long-term relationship. Like, I met you at camp, we have this in common, we're going to talk about it forever. There's only so many police codes. <laughs> Fandom brings that up a lot, too. Yeah. I, I, I think I, rightly. It's just, you need more. It seems like they have more. They're into, like, antiquing and cooking classes and... Sure. But those are all activities. Like, we don't know anything about any values they share. Well, I was thinking about this... With uh, with 40 million years about how I, I feel like Teddy was sort of placed for us as this like more serious 82nd Precinct version of Jake. And I think this episode kind of bears that out. Yeah, he's he's a kind of hotshot precinct leader. Yeah, because like he's the first out of the door when they come when the 8-2 comes back and he immediately walks over to Amy and and he's like, we broke the record. He's, like, telling her, like, hey, we broke the record. He's, like, really jazzed about it. But, like, kind of, like, a contained, like, excited. Yeah. Yeah. And he's taking his job seriously because they, they had a perfect run, is what he says exactly. It's interesting how fast Jake sheds priorities. Yeah, because he had, like, made custom knee pads to get Coolest Kill. Yeah. He 
he, I mean, I know he invests a lot of money in plans that go nowhere, but like, this is also like physical training. This, in, like I said in the previous episode, this is something that takes a resource that he doesn't spend very often, which is intentionality, mm. like doing something and preparing for something on purpose. Mm. And he will throw all that away when he sees what actually impresses Amy. And he doesn't even know what his priorities are at this point, right? He's adjusting on the fly to what seems to suddenly be important. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I I do too. But I think building on that, Amy is not his only ultimate motivation for being a better cop. Or just being better at... Oh no, absolutely not. Like taking things seriously. And I like that the end of this episode kind of points that out. Which is, this was really great. I actually really enjoyed taking things seriously. And I think maybe I should do that more. But then I'm like, boobs, fart, boobs, whatever. And then Boyle, uh, like, shrugs and nods. Rose is, like, half laughing behind him. Well, I mean, Rose is like, yeah, that's Jake Peralta. Kind of, yeah. But, like, did you see how Amy was looking at Jake when he was, like, being serious? Even when he busted out the Vic Kovac line, she was, like, kind of into it. I think she was, like, she was a little, like, confused about this guy who wasn't exactly like Peralta. And she's like, oh, good, he's still Peralta. But he's also, like, a kind of serious Peralta. Mm-hmm. Like, she's into it. Yeah. She's not thinking about it, because you're thinking about Teddy. Right. But, like... She's into it. And I think she meant to say that she liked, like, her... I think that her saying that she likes Vic Kovac so much more than Jake Peralta... Yeah. ...was supposed to be a compliment. Right, but it doesn't come off that way. No. It really doesn't. It comes off as a condemnation. Every time I hear that line, I think, oh, Amy, you're twisting the knife and you don't even realize it. That's so painful. And and it's one of those things that's like it's so fast. It like you blink and you miss it. And like Jake's like kind of like, "Oh yeah." And like kind of wallows in it do. for a second. But then like but he doesn't like it doesn't color the rest of the scene, you know? And so it's like there and gone. But it's like that is really hurtful. It's like how sometimes some of my I have a friend who she only seems to she seems to think I'm like some kind of crazy party girl, and I get offended. When, like, she starts treating me like that all the time, you know? And and I get that. Like, I get I get him being like, oh, you like Vic Kovac so much more than me. He's some guy I made up for Tactical Village. Right. You like He's, he's gonna go away at the end of the day, and I'll still be Jake Peralta. She, she likes his watered-down Bruce Willis in Die Hard character. Like, you know, toughened cop, taking it seriously, kidnaps this taken Liam Neeson thing. Like, she likes this, like, no, water. No, he was, he was betrayed and left for dead. Right. They didn't go with Double-crossed. Yeah. Yeah. But still, like, oh, great, so she likes this, like, fake temp character better than who I am every day. Even though, like, I'm sure for him it's like, oh, our relationship's more positive, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, I guess it means nothing. I can see, like, I'm reading too much into it, but it's like... I think that's all there. Yeah, he's not exploring it, but it's there, maybe. But their partnership is so strong, because he shoots the guy and she covers him, like, immediately after. Just so nice to see them, like, working so in sync like this. You said in that last... First of all, you said Teddy's a thumb face. (laughs) He's just got a really... Square face? Just got a head shaped like thumb. (laughs) See, I, I think of Thumb Thumbs from Spy Kids, 
when you say thumb face and it doesn't look like it to me. It's just kind of shaped. Like this. <laughs> you know what? I, I really hope... I'm glad that, like, we know that in season two, Teddy's around at least until Thanksgiving. That's, mm-hmm. like, something yeah. that we know. And and this is pretty standard as far as I can tell with comedies. Like, Sarah Chalk guessed on How I Met Your Mother for about that same length of time. And she wasn't in every episode, but she was there on and off. Yeah. I'm excited to see that because I really hope they give that actor more, like... Actual jokes. Because he was so great on on Better Off Ted. And he's been really great in the other guest spots he's done historically. So I really hope they, like... They actually, haven't really been using him. Not at all. The close He gets... He ends up being sort of the butt of the joke a couple times. I have some problems with Teddy, actually. Well, I, I'll get to them. Yeah. But, like, I have some actual problems with who they've shown us that he is. But they haven't shown us almost anything about who he really is. We have had to draw in a lot of things about Teddy... For all, all we know is that he's clearly kind because Amy wouldn't date someone who's unkind. He's dorky and into police stuff the way she is. And non-threatening. Yeah. But still a challenger. Sort of. I mean, he drills her on police codes. Like, they have summer camp together. No, I don't think he's challenging her. Oh, he he's is challenging a challenger. Oh, a challenger to Jake. Okay, yeah. sure, sure. I and like- he likes Pilsner's. That's amazing. We know about him is that he likes Pilsner's. That's why he's so... The the way she said... We'll get get to this. Yeah. The last thing I like that you said when we were watching the episode together was you said that when Jake tells her to have a great date and that he'll see her tomorrow, it was the most normal Jake has ever sounded. Yeah, he doesn't have... He didn't put any manic energy into that moment at all. Nope. He just said it like it was something he was just saying. Because he is holding all of his normal personality inside. And his normal personality is affected. Yeah, and when you said that, it really got me thinking, and I've been kind of running it in the back of my mind for a while, about contrasting this with the scene in 48 Hours, where he tells her somewhere out there, there's a guy out there for you with a super weird soul patch. Like, if he were normal, that. It would be similar to that. And and instead he offers it, I think sincerely, but without inflection. No, it's it's sincere, but it's also like disappointed and he's trying not to ruin it with his actual feelings. Right, exactly. And I think that it's the same as him sitting in the bar, like looking at his cell phone, right? Like the same energy. Like it's, that energy is him unobserved. And this energy is him trying not to be observed. The, it, when, when Before Boyle goes up to him is what I'm talking about in this episode. Sitting there. Yes, he, toying okay. with his with his beer. Yeah. Oh, it's a beer this time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where it's sort of like contained but like still like coming out a little bit. Well, he's just, he is acting like he's alone in the world. So there's no one to see him and make him be the clown. Oh, he's shutting out. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, I yeah, I get that. I'm like a... Shockingly, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> None of you are surprised. But I'm like an outgoing extrovert, and, and I get that. Because I remember when... Um, I remember doing the same thing when I met... Uh, I mentioned before there was a guy I was really into. And when I met his girlfriend, when she came to hang out with all of us in the group, I remember kind of doing the same thing. That Jake did. Kind of separating myself and playing like I was, like, need, I needed to be alone for a minute. Whether mentally or physically. It didn't really matter. Yeah. And Jake's, like, in the middle of a party. About his accomplishments. Like, we see this again. 
Ooh, nice motif. Well, I mean, they set it up pretty, pretty Blatantly. obviously. Yeah, that was a comedy. They're not all about the subtle here. Jake putting his clownishness away in that moment to give Amy what she needed was a pretty important character note for him. Mm. I'm, I'm glad you've seen it. I think it's very good acting on Andy's part. I agree. I agree. And and I like that from here on, we kind of actively see him hiding his emotions from her, give or take. Like is is an interesting word, because... But... You might... I need you to be... More specific than cat noise? Yes. It's It's painful to watch to an extent, I think. Pining is always hard to watch, though. Yeah. Pining when we know that, like, when we as the audience want them to make a different choice. I think in real life, you get over it, you know? You either get over it or you or something about the situation changes. Yeah. One of you transfers, one of you quits the job, whatever. That's not or you're making a bad choice about your emotional energies. Boil. Don't pine forever. Boil. But yeah, don't pine forever. Which is why, like, on... Try to stop pining as soon as possible. Pining for more than a year is just not worth it. And I'm I'm going to tell you, the audience, that from personal experience, if you're pining for a year, it's time to move on. There's nothing good can happen. Because if you... It's the George Bernard Shaw quote. The greatest thing in the world is getting what you want, and the worst thing in the world is getting what you want. Pining after someone for a year, it'll be great, and then it'll be the worst. Because you've built up this idea of who they are. And when they inevitably disappoint you because pedestals, it just ends up worse for everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. I would try to have less patience than that, but but everyone takes their own time, right? Yeah. This ended on a really, like, kind of serious note. Not unlike the episode. Well, we should, we should keep in mind the fact that Amy's 13-year-old niece is so sexual. I... I love that. I saw Brella and somebody else in fandom were specking out a story about her 13-year-old niece based on a prompt that my parade, that Florgasm had received for the Jake and Amy fake exchange last year, earlier this year. God, when was that? Whenever was that earlier was. earlier this year. Yeah. Because, uh... Yeah, you're right. Anyway, I saw there was a prompt for the fake exchange that was like, uh, her two her two sexual niece comes to the precinct and it's amazing and she has a huge crush on Jake. Yeah. And I saw Brella and some other author in the fandom like going back and forth with each other in asks about that. I thought that was awesome. They had they had a really fun story idea. It wasn't like real fiction. It was just like snippets. Yeah. It was great. I would really kill to see that fic. I hope somebody writes it. Don't 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 kill me though. I have so much to give this world. <laughs> also, where would I find another co-host? Tumblr. No, you're much more... You're the best co-host I could ask for. Oh. I mean that. But what about Joe Latruglio? <laughs> if he came on the show, you'd fight him. No, I wouldn't. You might fight him. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. <laughs> Why would I fight him? We said you would. I'm actually very good with people. <laughs> but Just because I said I'd fight people. I mean, if Stephen Moffat came on the show, I'd fight him. And Did then he'd it? sue my ass forever and destroy me. I'd hold while you fought him. Yeah. <laughs> Make it a I lift. just wouldn't let him in my home. But no, seriously, Carl, you're the best co-host I could ask for. We're cutting this. But I mean it. I know. I want our audience why to we're know. <laughs> but I mean it. I want our audience to know. Yo. You're the best co-host I could ask for. I would never kill you. Finding a co-host alone would take, like, way too long. <laughs> <laughs> Purely for convenience, you're staying alive. Good. Yeah. 
Actually, I need to stay alive for my own reasons. There are lots so of reasons. So I can self-actualize. And not on, just to fulfill your needs. And on that note, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!